Sometimes we just need to be reminded to be still and know that He is God and just spend some time worshiping Him. We feel like we've got to fill up every moment with noise or activity. And sometimes we just need to rest in Him. We've been looking at a sermon series on the commandments which Jesus gave us because He told us in the Great Commission to make disciples, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So what did Jesus command us? In John 14, He tells us that uh, He who has my commandments and does them, He it is who loves me. So how can we do His commandments if we don't even have them? So we've been looking at some of the commandments that Jesus gave, and we've run across several in the opening chapters of the Gospel of Matthew right after He began His ministry following the temptations. Uh, first, he, the first message He gave was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, in Matthew 4. And then He found some fishermen and said, Follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then in Matthew 5, He began the Sermon on the Mount, and at the conclusion of that, He said, Rejoice and be glad when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Moving a few verses on down from there, we run into another imperative that Jesus gave, a command in verse 16. So I'm going to read verses 13 through 16 of Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Here's the command. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How do you let your light shine? By doing good works. We have been so hesitant to do good works because we understand that you aren't saved by your good works. But once you are saved, your love for God will result in some change of behavior, some change in your life, and hopefully that change includes doing some good things in the name of God for those around you. Let's bow together. Father, as we come to worship you, help us to shine our lights, not just on Sundays and not just here in the sanctuary, but even more importantly, when we leave here, and go out into a dark world that is desperate to hear some truth, to hear something they can trust and believe in, and to see a light that shines no matter what. So help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. What can we believe in? What can you believe in anymore? Have you ever wondered that question do you remember the uh, commercial on television? Um, it was an ad campaign for Prestone Antifreeze. And uh, it was kind of catchy. And it had a picture of a car. I think it was frozen up and it wouldn't crank. 
And then it showed a car that had some pressed-on antifreeze in it, and of course the car cranked right up. And the, and the little closing ad said, if you can't trust Prestone, what? Who can you trust? Like Prestone was the last bastion of hope for our society. If you can't trust Prestone, then you're done. It, that's all there is to it. We have become, sad to say, but a, a nation full of idolatry. Um, there used to be a place for God in our society, but now it seems like money has displaced God as the driving force in our society. I, I'm old enough now that I can remember something called blue laws, where stores could not open on Sunday because it was against the law. Well, what happened? Corporate offices began to lobby and they complained they couldn't make enough money if they didn't open and do business on Sundays. So they changed the blue laws and they started opening on Sunday. Now, and then they wanted to sell alcohol during the week and then they wanted to sell it on Sunday just to make a little more profit. And now they do that and now everything's open on Sundays except Chick-fil-A and Hogan Bones it seems like. And some stores even schedule their grand opening on Sunday. Do you remember that about a year or two ago right here in our own town? Sunday is just another day of the week. And so there's a breakdown in our society of, of values. There are no more moral absolutes. What do you go by? Because I don't think people can live long without some sense of value, of what sense of right and wrong. A policeman was telling me recently that the corruption and graft in society is widespread, and you just have to wonder who's honest? Who, who will tell you the truth? People will look you in the eye and lie to you like it, it, it's just second nature. I have a friend I've talked about before who left the ministry, and he was in the Justice Department in Washington for 20 years. I asked him, after he retired, and I saw him back in the South one day, and I asked him after 20 years in Washington and seeing everything on the inside, were you a Democrat or Republican? And he said, I wasn't either one. He, had, um, he said he didn't know a politician that wouldn't sell his grandmother for a vote, and they wouldn't sell their, he didn't know a politician that wouldn't sell a vote for a few bucks. These are unique days in which we live because we are living in a society where there is no moral absolute, where there's no plumb line telling us what's right and what's wrong. There's no more any reference whatsoever to God. What can we believe in? A recent issue of Time magazine was describing the moral malaise in our society, and it concluded that the problem is we have no values upon which we can agree. So how do you decide what's right and what's wrong? How do you decide who's good and who's bad if there is no moral absolute, if there is no stackpole against which you measure because you've removed God from society? I read a, in that magazine, it had an article about a man who donated $30 million to Harvard Business School to teach business ethics. He was alarmed at the breakdown in ethical standards in American business but guess what happened? Harvard couldn't figure out how to spend the money because they didn't know how to teach ethics. They can't decide what values to teach in a society that has eliminated God because if God doesn't exist, 
then how do you decide what's right and what's wrong? Our Constitution was written with the foundation of the Mosaic Law underneath it, but now people are trying to remove that and deny that there was ever any religion whatsoever involved in the founding of American law and values. Monday through Saturday, we, we allow God to have such little impact on our lives, and we raise our families, and we go through the motions, we go to work, and we construct our public institutions so as not to offend anyone as if there is no God. And then we come in on Sundays and think maybe there might be God just to be on the safe side. The situation is grim, but I don't want to paint an entirely bleak picture because there is hope. Because the crisis in our culture today is the greatest opportunity for Christians to be the light, to be the light. And the best place for teaching values our society is starving for is in the church. Business can't do it. Labor unions can't do it. The military can't do it. Our school systems can't do it. And so where else is it to come from? It's to come through the church to our families, to our children. The church of Jesus Christ must be the model for the values of the kingdom of God for a sick and dying and decaying world. That's our opportunity. And so we come in on Sundays and we worship and we do Bible study and we learn and we are disciple. But let's never forget the fact that part of our reason for being in church is to be the light. And not for the light to remain here in church, but when we go out of these doors to take that light with us because the world needs something to believe in. The world needs something they can trust. And if, as Christians, we have the answer they're searching for if we will just let the light shine through us. How? This is what's surprising, and it took me several times reading this to catch on. <clears throat> How do we let our light shine? Let your light so shine before men. How? that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We let our light shine by doing good works. Now, don't get confused. We aren't saved by our good works, but once we are saved, there ought to be such a relationship with God that, that what we do is different from the culture around us, and people can see the good works and be drawn to God working in us and through us and want to know about that difference. So good works do not cause our salvation. They are the result of our salvation. And if there are no good works in your life, if you aren't shining the light for Christ, then you might need to take a step back and do some introspection, some self-inventory, and see how much light God is shining in you and through you because Jesus dwells therein. So what do we have to do to do good works and let the light shine, to obey this command that Jesus has given us? I've, I've got four things real simple about your light. First of all, you've got to get it. Secondly, you need to shine it. And third, you need to carry it right. And fourthly, you need to shine it brightly. So let's look at those in a little more detail. First of all, if you're going to let your light shine, you've got to get it. <laughs> you've got to know for sure that you have the light shining within you. 
And when I close the service this morning, I'm going to lead you in a prayer if you don't think that light is shining in you. If you've never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ, don't think just because you sit in here Sunday after Sunday that you're a Christian. I don't want you to leave this sanctuary this morning without doing something to make sure that Jesus is in your heart. And you may have sat here many, many times, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. You've never really made that commitment and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. I know I've said this before, but it's so true. Sitting in a church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage will make you an automobile. It just doesn't happen by osmosis. So many people in America, a recent survey, 81% of Americans say they're Christians, but when you ask them to define what being a Christian means, they'll tell you that they grew up in America, that their parents took them to church a few times a year, so they must be Christian, right? No, that's not what is required. That's not what God asks. What's required is a recognition that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for your forgiveness, and that you have come to him and confessed your sins and asked forgiveness for those sins and surrendered your life to him and committed to live your life under his lordship and make a difference in the world by shining your light. And you have a relationship with him as a result of that. I wouldn't trade the worst day in my life with Jesus for the best day in my life without him. Don't miss the joy of giving your life to Jesus and serving him. Get serious with your relationship with God. There's no reason to postpone it any longer. At the end of this service, we're going to be singing without him for our invitation. And that's what it means to live a Christian life. Without him, you can't do anything. But with him... All things are possible. So the first thing you got to do to let your light shine is make sure you have a light. The second thing is to shine that light. Make sure you're shining it. And I believe shining your light starts with how you think. Because how you think determines how you act. So many times we try to get people to, to work, to do this, to to roll up their sleeves and get busy. And what happens is people just get burned out after a while because those people who are working, we tend to heap more responsibilities on top of and just make them do even more. But what happens when you begin to think about what you're doing? Being a Christian means more than just listening to a sermon and going home. Being a Christian means beginning to see things through God's eyes and not through your own and beginning to think in a manner in alignment with Jesus and applying the truth of the gospel in every area of your life. And when you do that, it begins to change your heart and your heart begins to change your passion and then your passion begins to drive you and your motivation comes within And not because someone is making you feel guilty from without. And when your drive comes from within and you've changed how you think and what your heart is and what your passion is, and you begin to think as a Christian, 
through Bible study and prayer and spending time with God. As you begin to think as a Christian, you begin to talk as a Christian, you begin to act like a Christian, and those good works will begin to come forth from you, and you won't have to force them, and you won't have to make them happen, but they will come as a natural progression of the change that is taking place on the inside. And you'll begin to bring the truth of the gospel into every area of your life, into your business, into your home, into your clubs, into your school. You'll have the truth and the world will listen to you because it's given up on ever finding the truth anywhere else ever again. So you've got to get the light and then you've got to shine the light not by making it or forcing it, but just by that relationship with God working through you. And the third thing that came to my mind this week because of a sermon I heard in seminary years ago, you've got to carry it right. You've got to carry the light right. You remember the Christian comedian Jerry Clower who used to be on Hee Haw and he was Yazoo City, Mississippi. And he'd tell stories about Yazoo and going hunting and Climbing up into a tree and somebody shooting up in there because one of them's got to have some... Remember that story? He's hilarious. He came to chapel in seminary probably 35 years ago and preached a message I've never forgotten. He said that in his younger years, he was toying with going into the ministry. And um, he was talking about that with his family. And in those olden days in Yazoo City, Mississippi, he had a housekeeper who did the cooking and cleaning, and she was a, a wise African-American lady who had been a Christian a long time. And she gave Jerry one piece of advice that he'd never forgotten. He said it several times in chapel, and I've never forgotten. She said, boy, if you're going to tote the light, you better tote it right. If you're going to tote the light, you better tote it right. And she said that several times, and he said that several times in that chapel message. And it made a lot of sense. If you're going to carry the light, be sure that you're doing it the right way. Jesus said, if you have his commandments and do them, you love him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him in the process of having his commandments and doing them. You can't just preach the gospel. That might be toting the light, but you've got to preach the gospel and you've got to live it too. That's toting it right. You want to show God you love him? Keep his commandments. You want to carry that light right? You want to tote it right? Then do some good works. And if you can't tell any difference in your life now from that time in your life before you were saved, then you might need to look and see what difference Jesus is really making in your life. So you need to get the light, you need to shine the light, you need to tote it right. And thirdly, you need to let it shine as brightly as possible through your life. And you do that Listen to me. You shine the light brightly by being holy. Being holy. And when I say holy, I'm not just talking about abstaining from drinking and dancing and card playing and gambling and all those legalisms that the Baptist church used to be so wrapped up in. 
I want to go deeper than those superficial sins. I want to go deeper and talk about a heart that beats as one with God. I want to talk about caring about the things that God cares about, caring about justice and righteousness and doing the good works that God calls us to do, not because they're good works, but because they embody our faith in, a, in our world in a way that the world might see the invisible kingdom of God being made visible in their midst. That's why Jesus said, be the salt of the earth, be the light that's willing to go into the darkness. In the Hebrew culture, before the days of refrigeration, meat would spoil if it was left out in the sun. And so the Jews used that salt that was so abundant around the Dead Sea and they rubbed it into the meat, not for flavor, but as a preservative. And Christians need to be the salt that's rubbed into our society. And when you rub it in properly, it becomes invisible. And when you don't rub in enough salt, the meat spoils. So our job as Christians is to be the salt, to go out into this place and be a witness with our lives, caring about the things that God cares about and doing the things that God calls us to do by seeing a lost person with God's eyes or seeing someone hurting with, with God's eyes or feeling a need with God's heart and getting outside of ourselves because you and I can make a difference. We need to be the kind of people that don't just believe the gospel but do the gospel. And one by one, I think we can all do our own little part. And together we will give a witness to the world that will be something to believe in. I have a candlestick in my office. And up until today, it has sat on my coffee table as a decorative item. I have never lighted it before today in the early service. But what good's a candle if it never burns? What good is a Christian if they never give off light? It might be an attractive piece of decoration, but it's never fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. And as a Christian, you and I were created to bear the light of Jesus Christ into a dark world. And I'm going to light this candle, and it might not make a big difference in this sanctuary during the day that already has all the lights on. But tonight, if it's dark in here, that one candle can make a difference. And if all of us have candles, you've seen it Christmas Eve, and we all light those candles, it makes an even bigger difference. But the purpose of that candlelight is not to light the candles in sanctuary and then blow them out and go out into the world. The purpose is to carry that candle out into a dark world and make a difference in Tifton, in South Georgia, in our state, in our nation, and around the world. Right now we have a mission team in Uganda that's bringing, that's carried the light there, and I think they're probably en route on their way home. They're supposed to arrive back home tomorrow. We've had a mission team in Peru. Uh, we, we have a mission team going to China. We've had uh, youth mission teams going out, and, and, and we have more going out in the course of the summer, carrying the light into some of the darkest corners of the world. But you know what? Some of those dark corners are right here in Tifton, too. And you have a light 
that God has given you to carry it out into the world. So carry that light out and shine it boldly by doing good works, not because they're good works, but because you love God more than anything else. And you see people and you see situations and you see needs with his eyes. And you don't chalk it up as a, as a brownie point or a merit badge. You, you just do it because you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have anything to believe in this morning, if you don't know that you have this light shining in your heart this morning, then you need to give your life to him. The rest of you that have already made that life-changing decision and are professing that kind of commitment, ask God to renew your hearts and rededicate your lives today to carrying that light of Jesus Christ out into the world to be a holy people, God's chosen people, his church in the world, to be the salt and the light that goes out into the world and makes a dramatic difference, so much so that the world will see and have hope that there is something in this world worth believing in. And for those of you that don't know Jesus, it's a prayer to pray. I prayed it about 50 years ago. And I didn't know what I was doing when I was praying it. I just called out to God and said, God, help me. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. I want to give my life to you. And if that's your desire today, we're going to pray that prayer right now. Bow with me. If Jesus is not in your heart or if that light has not been shining brightly, you may want this prayer to be your prayer and these words to be your words as we pray together. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus, your only begotten beloved son into our world to die on the cross in my place, to pay the penalty for my sins, a penalty that I could not pay. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life and make me into the person you want me to be. Lord God, descend upon this place in your spirit. Father, I, I want to be a light for you in this world, not just shining on Sunday mornings in church, but shining in the world Monday through Saturday, especially in the darkest places. But that can only happen with you living inside of me. Give me the courage, God, to be your disciple, to offer hope to a world that desperately is crying out for help. Help me to be your disciple, your follower. Live in me and shine your light in me. In the name of the one you sent to die on the cross, Jesus Christ our Lord, in his name we pray. Amen.